0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot, scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth.
2: Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Uh, this week uh, we're in Finland with Helsinki. Uh, I'm with Bob Grimm, who is uh, one of the, the key members of the technology team at uh, NGK Ceramics who uh, make uh, the ceramics that go into uh, uh, the, the tailpipes in cars. Um, Uh, Bob's just come off stage we came off stage uh, day before yesterday at the Cooper conference uh, talking about NGK's experience pioneering the deployment of an angle of arrival RTLS system and so we're going to talk about that now so Bob thanks very much for joining us on the show oh you're welcome thank you for having me yeah so uh, um, uh, I think you know what you guys have done is really really interesting um, uh, um, so uh, tell us a little bit about NGK to start off with uh, and then we'll uh, I'd love to explore um, why NGK decided it would be a good idea to deploy an RTLS and you know what it was and and basically what happened how it worked out okay, so absolutely we'll start off with NGK
1: yeah NGK um, turns hundred years as old as a global company um, headquartered in japan um north american operations started about just over 30 years ago in 1988 um making again the inside suit catalytic converters uh relatively unknown industry when you think about it because as one of our one of my um members of my team and partner in our team that says is we make the piece of a piece of a part of a finished product in a car so in the large picture of it how eventful is that but we're really good at it we're only one of two providers globally that make the product and how we first started down the RTLS path um, back in 2013 we put in rack systems in the facility Um, it actually preceded my employment there I started with the company in 2014 but they put the rack system in to inventory automation replace all the forklifts driving around the plant and,
2: and, and these rack and systems are not, this is not just shelving. This is an automated, computerized system with its own uh, uh, inventory and, uh, and and the like,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have automatic ground vehicles that actually deliver the product from the end of the production line over to the storage. It tracks it when it goes into their storage rack and when it's retrieved from the storage rack. That's all tracked. So it was great for inventory control when our production capacity and our production throughput was able to hold everything within the rack system. Mm -hmm. What we encountered shortly after installing it, because as with any company, from the time you get the budget from concept and you actually deliver, especially something as complex as an automatic um, delivery system, Mm -hmm. where you have to cut in the concrete, install wiring, and do everything to get it installed, from the time you get the concept in place until you get it actually built and installed and are able to gain value from it, production capacities can change Mm -hmm. so what ended up happening was our production was far exceeding the capacity of our racks Mm -hmm. so what was happening on the floor was they were delivering product measuring putting squares on the floor delivering product to those squares dropping it off well now you don't have any clear way on how to track that product on the floor so what you end up doing is you end up having people walking around with a list
2: (laughs) <laughs> so I should say, just pause for a little bit just to get some context. We are surrounded by, well, we think, of Canadian geese, and we're actually sitting on a swing by a lake. So, so just some context. So back to the, so it's back to the story, and just one step back. So NGK is a Japanese company. That's yes. correct. And so yes. you, uh, you know, for, from from my perspective. Very well organized, um, uh, structured, uh, automated production uh, processes, and and you uh, operate around uh, Kaizen principles. Is that the yes. right way of expressing it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this is uh, kind of a philosophy of uh, constant improvement, and uh, you know, my, my my sense, and if you know, full disclosure. NGK were a client of mine when I was in the consulting business, and we worked together a little bit on this uh, this project, but you know, my, my sense is um, things were going... Uh, things... you operated a very tight ship, but there was a desire to track pallets, uh, basically know where things were and... Uh, uh, keep uh, uh, get an extra level of inventory control is that yeah there, it
1: was well yes um but it was also capacity i mean the plant's capacity had exceeded what the rack system was originally designed to hold we had other square footage mm-hmm. that was not didn't have rack coverage but it was sitting in the similar areas our process is, is creating a product firing the product in the kiln as the name Mm -hmm. implies ceramics Mm -hmm. firing the product in the kiln and then inspecting the product packaging it up for shipment to the customer
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um what was ended up happening was they were storing and putting in product anywhere they could find place on the floor Mm -hmm. and now you have people walking around looking to locate that product on the floor Mm -hmm. um in the best possible way they can which is give me a list of the products and let me by identifying the product over time, obviously experience expertise, you know what you're looking for mm-hmm. more or less. But now you have to go find a pallet in a sea of pallets, and that's where kind of the concept come about from my predecessor um, within the IT arena was how can technology better help looking for locating a pallet? What if mm-hmm. the pallet could tell me where it was? Mm-hmm. And that's when we started going down the path of looking for a solution, um, combing through multiple variety of solution as you know from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and there is a lot out there that will meet the needs but every need is slightly different and there are specifications in every need that one technology is not going to suit all of them
2: right and and so it seemed to me uh you know when you've your manufacturing plant is massive it's the size of several football pitches so you had kind of a lot of space to cover uh but these pallets it seems uh they look very similar Uh, And they're very close together. So you're kind of finding a a needle in a very large uh, Haystack. So 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 how does that translate into accuracy? How accurate did this real-time location system need to be?
1: We needed it to be sub meter sub three feet Mm -hmm. um, Was the goal Mm -hmm. so we could track it down to a three foot by three foot section was that was a goal We were going into ideally um, because we wanted to know, okay, is it the first pallet in the row, the second, the third, or the fourth? Mm-hmm. Um, it would also help for us to come in from which angle we were going to come in to get the pallet and retrieve it from that area. And again, reduce the time it took to locate, identify, locate, and obtain the pallet and deliver it to the next phase in the process.
2: Right. And you know, this is more than a red dot problem, isn't it? At the center of it is you need a very accurate red dot, but you've got these other business processes for the red dot to be integrated in. Can you describe a little bit about, uh, without going into too much uh, confidential detail, but uh, um, uh, how how do you pair a red dot with the way the business looks at these pallets? Well, um,
1: I think first of all is and if we can take a little step back further and talk about we had to determine what truly the did the business have a need to locate the red dot? How much effort was going in to find those dots on the map, mm-hmm. so to speak, before we could look at even automating it? Um, you know, and was there really truly a need? And then how were we going to be able to find that need? And mm-hmm. as we found out going down this path was, and any customer going down this path would be... We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what's out there. Mm -hmm. We sometimes don't, as a customer, don't even know what our need is. Mm -hmm. We have an idea, but it doesn't mean that that's going to be the end result as we start walking down this path. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a matter of being open and understanding and ultimately looking at, yes, we want to know where the red dot is, but then what else can we obtain from the value on that red dot? Mm -hmm. We know where it is right now. How did it get there? Mm -hmm. Where did it go from there, Mm -hmm. from beginning to the end of the process? And I think really... Um, and we've jumped ahead a little bit now, but really the next steps are going to be what kind of analytics can we get from looking at that dot on the map?
2: So it's not just finding, uh, the pallet in an instance of time. You're talking about tracing its journey.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we went into this looking for the pallet, yeah. but then realizing from an analytical perspective, and this is clearly going to be an, we're not at this phase yet by any mm. means, um, it's looking at going to that next phase because that's truly where the value is going to be is in the analytics of it all. And it falls right in line with the Kaizen mindset of, you know, how can we streamline a process? Where does the What are the miles within the plant that a product travels or the feet or the yards or the meters or whatever it may be mm-hmm. within the facility? Because if you can reduce the amount of time in the facility, then you can obviously become more efficient handle less inventory, you, you have better quality control measurements across your
2: throughput through the facility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why do you care about the path of the, uh, of the pallet if it's a robot that's moving the pallet around?
1: Well, everything everything has a value associated to it, whether it's maintenance on the robot every time the wheels turn on a particular piece of equipment, whether it's a forklift, whether it's an automatic vehicle, whether it's a pallet jack. There's wear and tear occurs on those products, so the, the less you are moving a, turning a wheel, for lack of a better descriptor, mm-hmm. on a manufacturing floor, on a concrete floor, the less maintenance you need to perform on that particular piece of equipment, again, whether it's a pallet jack or a forklift. I mean, it's amazing to think that people, you know, you, you may use a pallet jack in a warehouse, you never think about them wearing, wearing out until you walk past the dumpster and you see four or five pallet jacks sitting in the dumpster to be replaced because... Mm-hmm they've lifted pallets so many times the wheels have worn off of them from being pulled across concrete floors uh forklifts have maintenance on their wheels automatic ground vehicles have maintenance that needs to be performed so the least amount of wheel turns you can get the less maintenance you can have to do on any particular piece of equipment
2: so we'll take a step back and cover exactly (laughs) what the system is in a minute but we're into an interesting area so so it sounds like if you have a spaghetti diagram, a trace of where these thousands of pallets are moving, you have the opportunity to simplify, to optimize, to take a more direct path and save time and save maintenance on the, uh, on the equipment. Is that
1: Absolutely. Fair? Absolutely, that's clearly an opportunity. And then if you can further move analytics one step further, which is the future of analytics is going, is when I can identify the path a product should take and with the automatic vehicles, it can take that path, but what happens if it goes to a different location? That means, one, it's either, it's obviously not on the automatic vehicle to deliver it, or somebody programmed in to deliver it to the incorrect place that mm-hmm. they should have identified it to be delivered to, or it's on a forklift or manually being moved for whatever reason A part of the process caused it to be manually moved, and it is now moved outside of its normal realm. Well, if I can look at analytics and determine the frequency we have a product that doesn't follow the expected path then i can determine the impact is it worth me okay i just need to inform somebody that the product went someplace it shouldn't have Mm -hmm. and send email notifications they can look into the next day or if it's happening frequently enough and it's happening enough and i won't know that till we start doing the analytical aspect of it that it may be worthwhile for me to actually notify the forklift driver of hey you're putting this part where it, this part needs to go over here. Something's misidentified it. something's is misdirecting you without coming out and saying you're being misdirected or, mm-hmm. or you're putting it someplace where it doesn't belong. It's okay. This product normally doesn't follow this path. Are you sure this is where it belongs? Mm-hmm. And to put that safety check in, because, again, the sooner I can either identify that it's outside the normal mm-hmm. um, expectation or expected path, then I can have action based on that and therefore either reduce the amount of time of even sometimes to go look for it on a, as a dot on a map because I can now use analytics to determine that, hey, this dot doesn't belong in this area of the map. Mm-hmm. Let's move it where it belongs to. Or if you say no, for a particular reason it has to belong here, then now at least I've notified somebody that that pallet is sitting there. Maybe it's waiting for the next mm-hmm. phase. Maybe it's pulled to the side for an extra quality assurance or an extra inspection step. Because again, part of the manufacturing process, you have variables that adjust or change or customers' demands that maybe there is a reason it was put there. And there was a reason why it went outside those analytics. But until you start really analyzing those analytics, um, you don't know what what you're gonna find in them. And things may be running smoothly and you don't even and you see everything's running flawlessly, which is perfect. That's what you wanna obviously see in any kind of a manufacturing facility.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's great. You have some real data to understand the exceptions, how often they're happening, and uh, that can help just uh, expedite a particular order for a customer, but it can also help you make the system better. So let's take that step back and uh, just recap. So there was an RFP process. You looked at, uh, uh, I I think, almost a a dozen different vendors, uh, all sorts of technologies, ultra-wide band technology, uh, different kinds of Bluetooth, Bluetooth based on signal strength, Bluetooth based of on angle of arrival. Fast forward through that that process, what did you end up choosing and, and what does the system look like? Um, we ended up choosing the Coupa system um,
1: and we did not realize going into it the value that the angle of arrival or the angle of departure really played into the dynamics of the system, again, until you really start looking at trying to locate that dot on the map, or better yet, seeing the map map move in real time. One of the selling factors for us was the ability to put the tags on our ground vehicles and actually watch it. It served two purposes. It allowed us to really do some quality of control to make sure that the virtual map matched the physical layout of the facility. Mm -hmm. And then as, as pallets were moving, we could see the accuracy of them moving because by attaching one of the tags to the AGV system, we could actually stand on a balcony and look at, look at a digital map on our hand, and look down and actually see the product moving in real time below us as we're watching it move on the map, and that gave us the ability to actually get more pinpoint accuracy um, by seeing something move in real time. You know, am I looking at the map and seeing it roughly where it's supposed to be on the floor, or am I seeing it three, four, five, six feet off? Well, if I'm seeing it three, four, five, six feet off. I fine-tune the system a little bit better, Mm -hmm. um, tweak it a little bit more to get my accuracy down to where I want it to be. And it really gave the wow factor, too, of being able to show, hey, here's the dot moving and look off the edge of the balcony and look, there's, there's where we expect it to be. So now you're actually delivering to the business and showing the business what the potential of this system is.
2: So, um, just to recap the, the architecture, so you have battery-powered Bluetooth tags that are um, attached to, it's not exactly on the pallets; it's attached, what, what are these tags okay. attached to?
1: Yeah, that was part of our selection process, um, because of, through our manufacturing process, the product moves from pallet to pallet. Um, obviously, you cannot run a wooden pallet through a kiln, yeah. so that you have to remove the product, load it, and then load it back to a pallet. So what we chose was to associate it to our travel ticket, which uh, travel with a pallet from the beginning of the production cycle all the way to the inspection cycle. Um, so we had to work through those dynamics whenever we first brought the initial pilot in. Yes, it's great. This works. We see it. Okay, now well, how do we move from pilot to full production where now you're involving... Hundreds of people in the process as opposed to just a handful that know all the details of the tags. And then what we actually ended up going with was we have a barcode on every one of our pallets. Mm -hmm. We had every one of our tags required to have a barcode on the back of them. Mm -hmm. So we went in an app of pairing and unpairing. So at the beginning of the process, um, again, growing pains going from production. You know, We tried multiple ways. We ended up settling on attaching a small plastic bag sticker to the back of our travel ticket. Um, At the beginning of the process, they scan the travel ticket, they scan the tag, slide the tag in, it is now attached to that travel ticket. It stays there throughout the whole process. Mm -hmm. And then once it reaches our inspection department, what happens is once it reaches the inspection department, that pallet's been inspected, it gets put into a, a bucket, so to speak, to be delivered back to the front. When it reaches that phase of the process, it is automatically unpaired, so it requires no human intervention to go in there and say, "Oh, let me unseparate this tag from this particular travel ticket." Automatically, the system knows, "Hey, I'm in this location. I've been inspected. I'm. Let me prepare this tag to be reused, and then work out the logistics. How do we get those tags moved back to the beginning of the process, separated across our production lines, so then they can reuse them and begin their begin their travel through the facility all over again." attached to now a new product, a new travel ticket for that particular point in time.
2: And so you've got a travel ticket, which is a document. You've got a Bluetooth uh, tag, and they're attached uh, together. What's the device that you use to read these uh, QR codes? Is it a QR code? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, it's a QR code, and we went with, we tried different things throughout the process. We were looking at using phones and cameras, and, and the speed of reading was way too slow. We ended up settling on an actual barcode scanner Um, that we have them at the beginning of the process. Fortunately, like I said, we do not need to have them at the end to separate them, but at the beginning we put a barcode scanner at the beginning of each of our production lines, and the forming technician or the the lead of the area will, whenever he prints out the travel tickets for that particular shift and that work, he will then take and scan and associate all those travel tickets. And it became very... It was well-received by the shop floor. The technology was well-received. I mean we live in a technical age so when you deliver a technical solution and you can get the business to get behind it and it almost make it dare you say fun at work but I mean when you have technology and you see how it works and the value of it you know and the competitive nature of people of okay how fast can I get these tags paired together scanned and Mm -hmm. prepared for production and it's almost a competitive between the lines I mean I think it's it's a competitive nature that people have of you know we can embrace this and do this and also to it's cool, it's flashy, it shoots a red signal. I mean, that's, that's all aspects of yeah. the world we live in today.
2: So system components, we've got the tags, we've got the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the documentation, the tags that are associated with, which rides along with the, the pallets as they go through the production process. You have uh, um, locators in the ceiling. So talk a little bit about uh, uh, roughly how many there are. How much space, how big is this factory?
1: um the fact i think what we have covered is over i want to say it's over three hundred thousand square feet Mm -hmm. um we focused on the lanes of travel when we were putting up our um the locators because that's where the product is going to be moving Mm -hmm. we also tried to cover the rack systems the best that we can to gather Mm -hmm. the inventory moving in and out of a rack so we could Mm -hmm. tell if they were actually moving into the rack or being removed from the rack system Mm -hmm. um and I, I'm trying to think, last count, I want to say we have 88 locators throughout the facility. Uh-huh. And these um, things
2: look like a little white Frisbee, a little bit smaller than a Frisbee. Um, and how are they, uh, what, can you talk a little bit about how they were located in the ceiling and kind of...
1: Anything? Well, we, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting thing growing through that process because we have a very high ceiling, so we had to figure out how to get them at an approximate height. Um, we could not... No matter how much we tried, we could not come up with a standard height and say, okay, every single one we're going to install at 21 feet. Because we, being a manufacturing facility, it's amazing if you look up into a ceiling how much stuff is suspended from the ceiling, installed in the ceiling. Um, Plus our facility grew multiple times over multiple years. So you may have a wall that only comes down 10 feet from the ceiling and it's been removed over the years on the floor level, but they didn't remove it all the way up. So we had to overcome those Obstacles. We also have an extremely hot environment. We had to put them next to our kilns. One, our pilot was actually done in the middle of August next to the kiln. So we had technicians up there in a lift going up t- 30 feet off the ground to install an antenna, only to come down soaking wet, covered in sweat from the heat, the kiln, the temperature outside, and everything. So it, it, and it was a learning process. All of these are, we have them um, PoE out of our switches. Um, so that's
2: power over Ethernet? Yep. Yes. Yep
1: power over ethernet installed um the actual installation logistics all that moving adjusting was a learning process for us because unlike a office building or unlike e- any i hate to say a cookie cut building you know where you know okay the floor is made out of concrete the walls are made out of sheetrock in a manufacturing facility you have metal steel we have kilns we have
2: robots.
1: Robots moving around. around. We have walls. We have all kind of metal. We have all kind of fans running to keep the place cool inside. I mean, there's something in your way everywhere you look. So every one we would install, we'd install where we thought it was going to go, try to get the system calibrated, maybe go up and have to move it, foot to the left, foot to the right. Other times we went looking at a normal pattern and say, okay, this would be a great place to put it. we look up and we said, go, well, there's no way we can hang it from the ceiling there because there's a giant heater in the way there's a giant fan in the way there's something in the way so it was all a slow process to get into but and then calibrating the system was key because again the dynamic of the system is it can be calibrated you can adjust it you can make it and then you're getting it linked to a virtual map that we could then pair with the physical map was crucial for us
2: very good. And the, the metaphor that I liked uh, that uh, was sometimes referred to in this process was it's like putting a street lamp up and you're kind of looking at the, uh, the the cone that's illuminated there and you want a little bit of overlap so there are no dark spots on the floor and if you go up higher then you have kind of a, the cone gets bigger, if you're lower then you need more street lamps because the, the, the radius is smaller. So there's a lot that you guys went through to, to do this and I uh, um, I, I don't know how you did it because it was just hot as blazes. I, I couldn't <laughs> function in that uh, environment. But, um, okay, so uh, we've got the tags, uh, we've got the, the barcode readers, we've got the locators in the ceiling, and then there's, like, a server, right? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, all the data is collected. Um, we On the initial pilot, we just pushed everything up to the cloud and had it analyzed there because, again, we weren't sure what we were going to – it was a proof of concept. We had to get something stood up, something to show the business – now, internally, what we've done is we do all the data collection internally, so it's on-premise. Um, and, again, we haven't moved to the next phase of analytics. Right now, we're happy to see a series of blue dots displayed on the map or whenever the production floor workers need to go and actually locate a product. They walk up to a kiosk, they key in a particular part number, and it will show them where that particular part number is. They can search it by part number, they can search it by travel ticket if they've been told, okay, we need this group of travel tickets, they can look it up by that group of travel tickets, mm-hmm. and then it will show them where the product's located on the floor, if it's not in our automated racks. Again, this was always designed to be a complement to our automated storage system for when we had production overflow that flowed outside of the storage in the racks.
2: So we... So this is uh, literally you, t- you type in the, the travel ticket number to identify the, 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 the batch that uh, you're trying to locate And then what do you see on it? You, you see, you're at a display screen at a kiosk and you see a map or?
1: You will see a map of the plant floor and you also see a blue dot or if you're looking if it's a single product you're looking for you will see, you should see or will see a single blue dot on the floor if it's located within our facility. Um, if you're looking for a particular part number you will see however many pallets of that particular part number are located within the facility and exactly where they are within the facility so we've had examples of where we product was miscounted at one of our next phases of the process and they went back to the first phase and said hey you never you didn't send me over my 20 pallets and they pulled it up on the system and he was able to look and say oh nope here's where all the 20 pallets are let's go look and see if we can find them and go together and say yep here they are they're all sitting where they're where the system reported them to be um you know and with anything else i mean you're always going to have dynamics and, and changes in the environment or interfering one thing in a manufacturing world we have to deal with and i know we're going to have to contend with it in the future is they're going to make a change or move a piece of equipment or machinery and all of a sudden we're going to have a locator that's going to have to be relocated to a different place and we'll have to recalibrate it but, again, we deal with that with the dynamics on anything within the manufacturing facility, mm-hmm. um, whether it be wireless or whether it be the, um, the BLE technology.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, you've described these interactions. You have different team leaders, and they might have a different view of what reality is. What, what A product, how many of this product went from me to you? And now you have a, a system of record. It takes seems like it potentially makes a more, for a more harmonious environment.
1: Oh, it absolutely makes for a more harmonious environment. And it takes the speculation out of it. It's not a, well, let's see if we can locate these. We don't know where they are. We know that, well, I finished them and I shipped them over to you. You know, we need to find these. It takes it out and you can have instantaneous answers. Now, instead of going and spending time looking for the product, you go to a system and can pull up and actually see, okay, where is the product? And sometimes it's as simple as account. You requested 20, I shipped you over 20. Or you requested 20, I shipped you over 19. Well, where's that missing one? Oh, look, what's this one hanging out over here where it shouldn't be? Let's go Mm -hmm. see. Oh, here it is. It's taking the time frame from searching for something to now definitively knowing where something is.
2: Very good. And so if you were to summarize the the business benefits of this, if uh, you kind of... I'm sure, that, well, I know that there was a very analytical ROI that was calculated beforehand, but we don't need to go into the numbers, but basically, uh, how do you justify something like this uh, from well, a I think
1: business we, perspective? It's multi-tiered. I mean, one, you have not only the amount of time sent to go look for a particular pallet, which obviously time equates to money in any industry, but I think you also have less finger pointing. It's more of a a harmonious system Mm -hmm. because now we have real-time analytics telling me where my product is. Mm -hmm. Well, when the person came and said, hey, you didn't deliver me my, my, you know, I can't find all 20 of my pallets. Next time, because again, we're in the first months of getting this system off the ground, next time he's gonna go to that system and look for those 20 pallets first. Before he goes back and, and, you know, going back to the previous process and say, hey, you didn't do this. Mm -hmm. He's now going to go look and say, oh, look, now I can find these. Mm -hmm. So I think it leads to more harmonious teams. It also leads for better quality throughout the facility and, and true accountability of the product throughout the manufacturing process. So we know exactly where it is. Is it where it's supposed to be? And, again, this is where analytics are going to tie into play of is it where it's supposed to be? Also part of our process, once it passes a certain point, it's never to go back over the line. Mm -hmm. So do we start looking at analytics? Is there a risk of it going back over the line? If there is, can we give real-time feed to somebody who maybe is moving the product and says, hey, this product was already fired. It should not be going here. Mm -hmm. It needs to move to the next phase of the process. Mm -hmm. So it not only improves the the team dynamics, but it also gets everybody working together and ultimately produces a better quality product. better quality processes within the facility to create a better quality product for our customer
2: and what kind of uh how long does it take for a system like this to pay for itself
1: um ultimately we look at i mean i think every company's got a different ori i mean i think initial our analysis we were hoping for payback within two years i think if you look two three four whatever it is for you um the dynamics not only from a financial direct payback, but also from a team dynamics payback, I think, are tremendous in a comfort level within the system. Once you can, once the business sees the value in the system, then it truly comes down to, it's, it's like any technology. Well, what if it was no longer there? If I turn off the system, how would it change your business now that you know that it's here? Before you had it, you don't know what you don't know. Once you have it, and then you have to give it up, Ask anyone, give up your cell phone for a day. How does your dynamics change? Give up your cell phone for an hour. How do your dynamics change? How do your dynamics change And you're in the business world and you don't have email for 15 minutes or you don't have your cell phone for 15 minutes mm-hmm. or a network system goes down and you can't track production or you can't track sales figures? That wasn't a question 20, 30 years ago because it didn't exist. Now that it's here, how do you live without it? And I think that's really... One of the dynamics with the system is you don't know going into it what it can do and we are just scratching the surface of what the potential of this can do within our facility because again it's location 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 you know we we have evaluated looking at are evaluating looking at it from a what about an emergency evacuation how can we guarantee everybody's in, it, huh? evacuated from our facility is there a way for us to show us? Just we show dots moving with pallets moving on the floor. Can we show dots of everybody evacuating the facility? Mm-hmm. Is that something that we need to... What is the value added to the company of that when I can guarantee everybody is out of my facility. It depends on what line of business you're in. If, mm-hmm. if you're working in dangerous areas or you may have dangerous chemicals, again, this doesn't apply as much to our industry, but in general industry standings, mm-hmm. do you want to know when somebody's in a particular room? Do you want to know when they've been evacuated from that room? Do you want to know... You know, can we tie those in? So with the systems and analytics, there's so much more you can do with this technology.
2: Very good. Well, Bob, thanks very much for spending some time sharing this. Uh, Congratulations to you. Congratulations to NGK. I really think this is the future of manufacturing, and uh, it's uh, generous of you to uh, share your insights. Thank you very much for having me. So, did you have a chance to think about the songs that you want to take on your trip to Mars?
1: I did, actually. Uh, the first one, Billy Joel. It's still rock and roll to me.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Classic. It's a classic, but it's also our industry. If we think uh-huh. about it from a from a technology perspective, as much as technology's changed over the years, has it really changed a lot? It still has a common goal. In once it does the languages change, the development changes, the programming changes, all that changes but is it still rock and roll to us? It kind of, it applies to the industry plus, yeah. it, plus it is just one of those songs.
2: Excellent. Every
1: time it comes on the radio you gotta turn it up. Alright. You know, um, Guns N' Roses is Sweet Child of Mine. That right. just brings back one of those memories from teenage years through adulthood and everything. It's just one of those reminiscent good time rock and roll songs. And then probably Anything by Queen you gotta have something Queen on for, oh, your, for yeah. a long <laughs> Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. Bohemian
2: Rhapsody. I think that would do. That, that that's would do definitely one
1: of those ones up there. There's any other ones out there. There's numerous ones by Queen. You can pick any one of those songs. Probably it would be great for a journey. So
2: love it. Great choices. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.
0: Even on a budget.